Live from the Finley Toyota Studios, it's Cofield and Company with JVT and Adam Hill on ESPN Las Vegas. You heard it. Welcome in. Vontobo y Los Vatos today for the next three hours. What a show on tap. Damon is alongside as well. As we got, fill in for Steve Cofield. I just got back from Mexico last week, so I know what that means. Oh, that's yeah, I was going to say. Okay, you've worked on your Spanish. Yes, yeah, good I for have. you. I really fell apart on a Duolingo. I was crushing it for a while. Okay. And I just So you're not a Rosetta Stone guy. You're a uh you're no. a Duolingo. Well, I don't know if I'm a Duolingo guy or not. It's just it's a free app. You don't, you know, just kind of go through it. And it kind of challenges you. So I'm like, oh, I'm in, I'm in on this. It doesn't really. No, not challenges like it's difficult. I guess challenges you like it'll text me like, you didn't practice today, man. Oh, you're like, oh man. that was like challenging your no, worldviews. Like, no, 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 like calls you out. <laughs> uh, you learn how to say apples, manzanas, a lot. I mean, that's Manza- like, manzanas. Manzanas? Yeah, you want to put a little manzanas? bit more flair on No, that? I don't. I do that on manzanas? purpose. Manzanas? I do that on purpose. <laughs> that's a whole running thing with some people that I know that pretend to speak Spanish. Right. But then they'll be like, yeah, and then I was just walking down the street, and then I was like, I need a quesadilla. You don't, don't talk like that. Yeah. Say it. Like, that's not your voice. So we have actually, I've been around with you before where we've been at, um, over at the uh, the Superbook watching, like, football. Sure. And with some of your cohorts. Sure. At the uh, the RJ, and I think it's Cassie, um, Cassie Soto. Sure. All right. I have to ask. I, don't, I can't remember her last name for some reason. And so we were, we were eating. We were getting food. And you were making fun of her. And I actually kind of agree on you with this because they were ordering tacos. And I would love to get Demond's thoughts on this topic as well because she was like, Hey, can I get some carne asada tacos? <laughs> right. And you're like, like. By the way, she's I, not the only one. I know other people right. that do it too. I do it every once in a while as well. Nuts. So what do you make of what do you make of putting the flair in on like specific words? I will say before tomorrow goes, like it is the word in its language. So should you not I speak understand. it the way it is? No, you're if you're speaking if it's in context of speaking another the way that you normally speak. I'll say. Then that's how you should speak. So she, you should be like, can I get some carne asadi tacos? Like, yeah, give me a quesadilla. <laughs> I think she gets the pass, Cassie specifically, for being Mexican. No, I think you get the fine. pass. You can't be Mexican one word out of a hundred. <laughs> that doesn't count. It doesn't work that way. But you if you speak flu- fluent Spanish, are you still? Well, people who speak Spanish, why are they not? No, I'm saying if you're, if you're, if the rest of your order is in English. And I don't. I'm not a speak English in America. I'm not that person. I'm not that. It's, it's more of an accent thing. Like if you're just if you're talking like a Valley girl, you don't just drop in. But like what? Where did that come from? You know what? It's funny that we have this conversation because I feel guilty when I do say it in my regular accent. I think that I should be putting the flair on. There you go. No, you shouldn't. So so instead, so if I want to put the flair, I've got to be like, dame dos tacos de carne asada, por favor. <laughs> Right? right, but you're saying the whole word. Well, that's what yes. I'm saying. Yes. So I have to say yes. it. So if I'm ordering if your in English, your entire order is in Spanish. Then okay. fine, so, totally fine. All right. So if I have to go. Give me, give me two carne asada tacos. <laughs> yes, that's that's what I'm saying. I will say this does speak to one of the I think more um, annoying movie tropes that are out there, where if you have a character that speaks Spanish, but they're talking to somebody in English, but they've got to let you know that they're a Spanish speaker. So you know what I mean. So they do this thing where they're like, like. Oh, you know, I thought it was so fun, so divertido. And I'm like, okay, we don't have to say the same thing again in Spanish. You know what I mean? Like, I, it well, kind are, of annoys me. We should say you are, like, your. Is, does your wife do this too? Like, she is 
she is Mexican. Yes. I don't know why does you're asking do- like a question. <laughs> you like, know that. But I'm saying, like, does she do this as well? Like, says a word in English and repeats it in Spanish? No, no, no. Does she do the part where she's, she's like, just talking normal and then she drops in, like, Spanish No, words? she actually, she she does not like speaking in Spanish. Like, she'll resist it as much as possible. Okay. So I think, like, in that part, like, I think she does it because she's used to it. So, like, in that regard, if she's ordering something, I think she will say, give me two carnes de tacos. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Out of nowhere. Why? I, th- I think it's just, well, I, I think for understand. Spanish speakers, it comes naturally. Maybe, I guess. But for you, you know. You're just it's like, give me jarring. these two quesadillas, please. Right. Let's, let's Man, move That's on. why I say, when I learned, like literally, apples happen to be in every sentence that you learn on Duolingo. Yeah. So I would just learn how to say things with manzanas. 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 What about leche? That was in there a lot today. Uh, yeah. Uh, you I did also like, did Duolingo? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a boring time during the pandemic. We learned a lot. Of, a lot did of, you come out on top? Did you learn more Spanish? Are you, are you comfortable? Did you not hear me say leche? Yeah, come on, buddy. Point. I will say, because I... I'm very much up there in terms of I really understand it, and I, I can speak more than I usually than I do. I don't like my accent. My accent yeah. is terrible. Yeah, I would so I, I don't. Yeah. And my wife gets mad at me because she'll be like, "Hey, why don't you speak more Spanish to me?" But then every time I talk to her in Spanish, I get a, "It's so cute," and I'm like, <laughs> like "No, like, no, then I'm not going to talk to you. You're laughing at me. Yeah, why would I do it?" Uh, by the way, this is the show. And Steve, Steve, oh, of course. <laughs> well, I was going to make a segue. I, I was no, going to segue. I'm just going to drop know. every phrase in Spanish that I know. Like my thing was gonna be, my segue was gonna be. Let us know if you think Adam is right in that you should not put the flair on certain Hispanic words or just other words in lang- other languages. If you know, sure. you can hit us up on X. Oh no, <laughs> I'm not referring to it as X. What's wrong? I'm not. By I'm the not way, actually, man, I'm gonna get sidetracked again. I'm not if you realize it. too, by the way, I said it was a special edition of Vantobo y los Vatos, so I even Thank put you. the flair on it too. That's what. That's how it started. Okay. All right. All right. That's how it started. So you're not down with X? Look, is that how we pronounce it? By the way, no. I think didn't he say it's pronounced Z? Okay, I can't now. I was getting there with my guy Yvonne, but no, now weren't. no, you weren't. So it's, I think an it's pronounced X, Z, but it's pronounced Z. I think so. Okay. Is there a reason behind this? Is it like a Greek letter that's pronounced differently? I think so. Okay. All right. Calm down. Um, don't know. Don't particularly care. Um, as you know, I was the biggest advocate of Twitter ever. Z. I, Twitter. I'm saying was Twitter. Please. Was the biggest Twitter advocate there is. I love the app. I love the site. Loved everything about it. Spent most of my days on it. If people have most of my days <laughs> on the playground, uh, if people have th- that was true most of the day, I would just be on Twitter. On Z, and if uh, past, I'm speaking past oh. on Twitter. Sorry, so I'm just so used to it now. And I have, I, I told, I was telling Steve the other day, like I have missed out, I think, on more news lately because I just don't go on as much. Like it's ruined. It's not about him personally. It's about the changes that have been made. That so you suck. owe him. You owe Elon. You've For spent more time in the real world. Time. Yeah. Yeah, but now I'm just on Threads all the time. There's just I'm just not. I'm, I'm not as tuned in. That's bad. Uh, threads is great. Threads is not great. <laughs> it's great. Now man. you're in denial. Is anybody on Threads? Right. I like, am. Every like ten minutes, I get a notification of somebody new being on Threads. I'm in. I don't think anybody's on Threads. I'd rather Zeet. But I have been nervous. You know, you would not rather see. I've been nervous because I want my my first thread to be like amazing. So I haven't sent. So one you've been yet. waiting for like the right moment yeah, to send want, us like, to start a thread. That's historic. Threads is going to take over our society. Wow, mine was just a summer league article. I should have <laughs> yes. thought long and hard about that. It's one. terrible. 
Demond, you're down with Z. Z. Also, well, I will also say to uh, Vegas Metal Dad up on, t- on Z. Okay. Yep. Uh, no. Thank you. The answer is no. Uh, it's me and John today. So he's like, are we going to talk about sports today? No. We're going to talk about Z and X and whatever Don't worry. on earth this is. We'll get to the uh, the game changer that is Marcus Peters signing with yes. the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Some Don't people, worry. Some people will even believe so. Well, you know what? It ties into sports for whoever asked that because I'm not checking Z as much now as Adam has said. Yeah. And Ari ran into like our little office space and Ari said, throw out the rundown. Marcus Peters just signed. And I said he did. He was like, are you not on Twitter? No. You're not on what? Yeah, oh. excuse me. Yeah. All right, get with the times. I, not on Z. I don't want to upset anybody else because this might open a whole can of worms, but this was just put onto my uh, timeline on Z. Oh, no. Uh, that apparently Microsoft actually owns a trademark for X. So, Well, yeah, because it's it's just like clip art. Yeah. That's all it was. That's, people were saying that earlier. It's, just, it's basically just a clip art of an X that's, that's pronounced Z. That's what the new, for, the new t- name is. So, yeah, they don't have a trademark, so they can't really use it. I mean – And also, as I pointed out to you – just a great start because they are taking down the Twitter sign in San Francisco from the headquarters under Elon Musk's order, and they got stopped from taking it down. They can't take it down anymore because they never got a permit. So they weren't allowed to have the construction crew there to take down the sign. So it still says, I think, Twi. Nice. Twi is still up. Nice. Uh, we haven't got the clip art X for Z up yet. It'll come. It's a disaster it's not a disaster i still and as i said because there's a lot of people like it's just about elon musk you don't like him personally blah blah and then and like yeah he's smarter than you are fine that's fine but he also is doing this on purpose as we said from the beginning he is tanking this on purpose there's no question about it he's done everything he can to ruin it and nobody nobody even the dumbest person on earth wouldn't make the changes that he's made he's doing this on purpose there's an intentional sabotage of a site so every if you're like, well, it seems to be making the wrong decision at every turn. Yes. P.S. I, th- I still think Z has its uses. I found out the Marcus Peters news on Z. I, it's worth it. Z'd a lot. Actually, it was still Twitter. I Twittered a lot. Tweeted a lot tweeted, on, yeah. on Saturday at the softball game. But I, other than that, I really haven't been doing it often. I'm, I, people have said, like, hey, I haven't seen your tweets. Money. I'm like, yeah. I'm not Z-ing. <laughs> Z-ing. 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 Whatever right. we're calling it. Well, that was the big story of the day. So let's take our break here. When we come back, we do have a new addition in the secondary for the Las Vegas Raiders. That, it is wait, that's the big story? Marcus Peters. Why? What's the other big story? No, I don't know if it was Peters or Zeet. It's officially referred to as Zeet. Yeah, it's a Zeet. Yeah. I mean, I want it to be the big story that Zeet is a thing. Well, the big story on Zeet is Marcus Peters signing with the Raiders. That's right. So we'll talk about that when we come back. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of surprised because I, I, I met some resistance in terms of the secondary and <laughs> being you? told that, like, hey, like the secondary is not that big of a deal, but here we are, like, trying to add bodies right before camp. I think the Raiders thought they needed another corner. John Von Tobel, Adam Hill, filling in here. Von Tobel, Elos, Vatos. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, technically that's a new sentence, so I could have probably just said it with flair. No, I think it's in the context of everything you're saying. Okay. All right. If fine. you're speaking Spanish fully for the whole, you know, for the whole hour, which I cannot means, do. Flare away. Which I cannot do. <laughs> flare away. Okay. Uh, I, I don't even know what I was going to say there. All right. So, news story of the day, Marcus Peters is uh signing with the Las Vegas Raiders. Demon, you had this in front of you. The deal is what now? 1 year up to 5 million dollars. Okay. So, the question is, I'll ask you first and then Demon. 
I think this is necessary. I think the cornerback room was a mess might be strong, but not a strength. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's fair to say. I just want to make sure. As much of anything away from the line of scrimmage on defense, I would say. Okay. Pretty much the same. I'm talking trash. It's just a fair statement to make. So the question here is for you. Is Marcus Peters a positive addition to the team for the Las Vegas Raiders? I mean, I think you got to figure they're at least in the top five to win the Super Bowl now. It makes a difference. <laughs> I think. Uh, no, it's not It's not a huge deal. I understand why people are excited. Look, there's not outside of the defensive ends, the edge rushers, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of big names on this defense. Uh, there's not a whole lot of guys who you're going to you know watch and be like, whoa, okay, that guy, I know who that guy is. That guy is a game changer. There's not a whole lot of those guys. Uh, Marcus Peters is one of those guys. He's you know if you watch football, you know who he is. You're aware of him. You know some of the big, big plays that he's made. Um, I don't think he you know transforms anything defensively necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy who has actually kind of struggled in terms of coverage the last couple of years. Uh, has certainly not been the same player he once was. I think at one point was benefiting of playing on a very very good defense, and you know made his name there. Um, what he still can do is something the Raiders need. So I, I think that's a fair thing to point out. He does make plays on the ball. Now, oftentimes he's too aggressive, mm-hmm. leads to big plays that he gives up, but he makes plays on the ball. He forces turnovers. That is something this defense has not been able to do at all. So that's good. That's something that is probably going to help a lot. But I I certainly wouldn't have much different opinion of this team right now than I did six hours ago mm-hmm. or six days ago. I think that it's a big deal for Raider fans because, hey, it's a name, like you said. But I don't think it helps the team because if it's all about developing these young guys, how do we, how are we ever going to find out what the young guys have back there if you just keep bringing in, hey, this veteran's going to you know, put the Band-Aid over it for one year? So all with Casey Hayward, yeah. that worked out. He was gone after the year. Um, last year, Rocky Sin, now he's gone after a year. This year, Marcus Peters. Where we're never going to see what these young corners have if they keep bringing in a veteran guy to be a Band-Aid for one season. I, I, would, I would agree with you. I, I think the argument that they would make would be they needed that guy in the room. They needed one of those guys that's the coach on the field type guy that will help the younger guys. I don't know that. I, I haven't been around Marcus Peters enough to know if that's something that he's going to do. But I'm sure that, that it's a guy that they can say, look, this is the standard. This is how you – Maintain yourself. This is how you work every day. If you want to make it this long in your career and have you know this much success that he's had, like that is something that I think you would point to. But I mean, you're right. I think you need the younger guys to play more and uh, to be more involved and to develop themselves that way. But you know, he is a guy that can help. So yeah, I I, I don't I don't think it's a foolish signing. I don't think it's a dumb signing. I think I think it's fine. I think it's you know it's pretty smart. But um, let's not get carried away with what it means. I think that's mm-hmm. the key thing. I I think it's a a logical move to make. I applaud them for doing it. It's a, a probably a position of need and a guy that can help them in a lot of different ways. But this is not something where you say, "Well, yesterday I thought they were a fourth place team. Today, probably in the playoffs." Right? No. I, I would. And, well, and look, there's like there's volatility to the way that he plays. You can see it in his numbers over the last few years. Right? There's spikes in play in terms of years and good years, and then there's valleys with it. And I think that's part of it. You know, I was bringing this up to you when we were talking about this off the air. You know, the things that trouble you if you're looking at it from the perspective of a, a couple of things with Marcus Peters. You know, I mentioned um, looking over some of the qualified corner numbers. In terms of qualified corners from last season, um, he was 114th out of 136 in uh, opposing quarterback passer rating when targeted. 
it's not very good, right? Uh, when you're looking at other metrics, when it came to, for example, defensive reception rate or the percentage of targets that turn into receptions when he's targeted, uh, he again was 100 and, uh, let's see, 102nd last season in that metric category. Not very good. Now, I think there's a universe in which, like, I was going to think, do you remember that uh, before the, like, right around the time that the Panthers got him, but, like, there was a thought that Stephon Gilmore was kind of, like, done after that last year in New England, and he played, he had a shortened season against Carolina, so the Colts get him, and they're like, hey, let's let's try this out with Gilmore, and let's see how this works, and he turned out to be pretty good for the Indianapolis Colts. Had an 81.1 PFF passing coverage, or excuse me, a coverage grade, played over 1,000 snaps for him last year, kind of, you know, at least, you know, revitalized his career a bit and moved on and now, of course, is kind of a respected corner once again. Maybe there's a reality in which Marcus Peters does that for the Las Vegas Raiders. But I also think there's a reality in which he's kind of coming in and you're just adding a body to a weakness and you'll see exactly what's going to come of it. And like you said, I think ultimately you needed it, you add it, but there's also a reason, right, that he's available at this time of year. Yeah, yeah. And look, he's he's only 30. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's old, but it's not ancient. Um, there, you know, I I imagine that he still got that ability in him to step up and have a much better season than he had last year, as you're referring to. Maybe it's just the right scenery, the right scheme, all those things. I, I just I think you have to pump the brakes a little on, sure. uh, especially how much difference a corner can actually make. Now, look, there are elite, elite, elite corners that absolutely can change the game and change your defense and change your perception for sure. I don't know that Marcus Peters is that guy at this stage of his career. Mm-hmm. I think they needed it, but it's a good, yeah, it's it's yeah. a it's a solid signing overall to see if it's exactly what this is going to be. Yeah, for no and, question. And and this has been my biggest question about the team. Like defensively, Demond is that fair? Like secondary is probably defensively the biggest question about what this team is going to be. And I would add in today's National Football League, look like positional value and how important these guys are. Corner is going up because wide receivers are becoming more and more impactful in today's National Football League. So you need a guy like Peters to kind of pan out for you if you're going to be a team that, as we have heard from some of these guys, I think it was a Devontae Adams who said they have you know elite thoughts about what the season's going to be and they need Josh Jacobs. Like If you're going to be one of those teams, you need elite cornerback play. Yeah, they're going to need elite cornerback play, but I don't think that they have it yet. But something to keep in mind, they had six interceptions all year last year. So even if he's on the field, let's say if he gets two or three interceptions, it's a successful signing to me. Well, here, actually, I'll, I'll fight back on that because Adam brought this up. What if he gets those two or three interceptions, but all year he's hunting for them and is giving <laughs> up play after play because he's going after them? Are, are we still in mind that, hey, this team is only going to be, let's say, six, seven wins? If that's still the case, he's not affecting that so much, or maybe he'll have that one play where you can say, Marcus Peters, there he was, ball hunting. But I'd rather have him out on the field than a guy that's he just got beat. Mm. <laughs> Give me Marcus Peters, how he was ball hunting, rather than ah that guy just can't cut the mustard. So you want the Marcus Smart of corners? Marcus Smart's just like constantly hunting steals in the yeah. NBA it to char- the point where charges. he's giving up. Yeah, and he's, and he's to but the point where he's getting called on the floor and screaming. Oh yeah, okay. I can't wait to have him in the grindhouse. <laughs> All right. By the way, this is not the only big news for the Raiders uh, over the weekend. What? Well, I'd say it's a big, it's a it's a big deal, right? I mean, for a long time. There were a lot of people that were like, nope, nothing to see here. Jimmy G's going to be fine. Everybody's making a really big deal out of this. There's no reason to. Passes the physical. He's not going to be on the pup list. That's a win. For sure. No no question about it. Now, right? I, 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 you know, we've been talking about this for a little bit. Like, I I thought this was going to be the case. I, you know, I think I did a spot last week uh, with your guys over on VCN where I said, I, I think he's going to practice day one. I, I think he's going to be there. I don't know that he's going to be a full participant, 
but I think he's going to be there at least. And um, this is a good sign. This is what he insisted all along. He basically made a bet. I mean, I know <laughs> that's a sore subject with the teams right now. You can't make a bet, but uh, no, he made a bet on himself that he was going to be healthy by the start of training camp. Because if he wasn't, remember, they could have cut him with no pay. And that's a deal that he agreed to and that he made. So he was sure that he was going to be okay at this point. He made that wager that he was going to be okay. And and he is at least healthy enough to be cleared to start well, practicing. And let's say this too. I mean, I think it's safe to say the Raiders kind of made a bet too. Because the quarterback depth chart underneath them I don't think is great. And so they're kind of wagering on the fact like, no, we think he's going to be fine. Well, I think in the, from their perspective it was like, hey, if he's not, <laughs> it's Caleb Williams. That's, like, okay. It was either so you're playing the extreme. Their, their wager yeah. was either Jimmy Garoppolo this year or Caleb Williams next year. If we have to cut Jimmy, I think that was the wager that they were kind of making. Uh, so that I mean that's a decent enough wager to me, uh, and that's I mean, that's where they went. Never mind. I was just <laughs> all in on Caleb Williams, of course, <laughs> of course. I, I I don't. I think. Look, nobody around the team can say this, and that's certainly not their state. And everybody, when we talk about tanking and that sort of thing, players are never going to do that. Of course. They're going to be out there, and they're going to try their best every single week. That's not what it's talk, it's not what we're talked about. It's the organization putting the right people in position to maybe be able to succeed, and sometimes they don't want to do that because they don't want to succeed. I, I don't think it would have been the end of the world for the organization if they are like, yep, we tried. We tried, but we can't do it. So, Well, in reality, a season like that looks like play the young guys. Let Aiden O'Connell start, see what you got, and then let's move on from that. Like, let's see what this year is going to be, and, and then if we get into position to get Caleb Williams, we get position. Look, to this get is Caleb also, Williams. this is also nothing. Th- this is just complete. Like looking at the the order of how things happened. This is not anything from the building, not reporting anything like that. I'm just <laughs> saying, Marcus Peters has been rumored for a long time, right? All off season for the most part, been rumored to go to the Raiders. When did he sign? After Garoppolo was clear. So it could have been, all right, we'll sign you if Garoppolo's playing. If he's not, if we have to cut him because he doesn't pass his physical and he's gone and we're tanking the year, then we're not signing that guy. Like that very well could have been the case. And so now, you know, now, okay, Garoppolo's there. Like this is a season that they believe that they have the right pieces in place, especially on offense and a good enough defense to try to compete. So um, that's how they're going to roll. Posture up and write down. You can't get in trouble. It's like you're punching a little person, right? With your right hand, it's going boom, right there. With that knee down, and now you're on top of the baseball. Welcome back to Cofield and Company. Yeah, that was the great analysis from Alex Rodriguez during Sunday Night Baseball. Really breaking it down. How like many people has he punched? Well, like you're punching a little person was the quote. I heard. I was, I was going to say it, but how many of them has he punched? I mean... There's a better way to break down baseball. I know there are a lot of people upset with it. I mean, who doesn't understand that reference, though? I mean, that's. I mean, everyone's thought about it, right? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, a, a lot of people made the comment that uh, you know you didn't have to say that. You could have said like you know like you're trying to gently smack the ball out of somebody's glove while running the first. Let's get descriptive. I'll I'll, I'll admit I didn't understand the outrage about it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm like maybe I'm drifting in different directions, but I didn't really understand the outrage behind it. Although I will say, so awful announcing did this thing because their awful announcing was the uh, the X account Z account uh, that tweeted out that clip. Sure. Sorry, Zed out that clip, and <laughs> and then followed that up with an article where the headline was "People Outraged by Alex Rodriguez uh, Breakdown on Sunday Night Baseball," 
But then the outrage that they used as examples were all responses to the tweet, to the Zeet tweet? that they sent out. Their Zeet? Yeah. Stop, I can't. We can't do Zeet anymore. I can't do I it. Can. I can. I've got to get used to it. No, you can't. You don't have to. It's just like anything please, else. Please, this bro. is the name. If this is what you wish to be called by, I will acquiesce. I was just looking at, like, you know, when, when there's stories on sites, I know a lot of people, you know, see this. If you're trying to share it, you know, you can click on your share Instagram. <laughs> is that what it is now? I don't know. <laughs> you can click on the Instagram logo or the Facebook logo or the, the bird. If they're going to change anymore. it to an X. A lot of sites still have it. It's not their logo, but a lot of sites are still using it. This is... This is affecting me a lot more than it should. Yeah, I know. We're 30 <laughs> minutes into the show and you can't get over I'll, it. I'll admit that. Don't we're not changing the name. It's not yours. We are yes. We can all band together and do this properly. It's still Twitter. No, it's it's Z. It's not. We don't have to play this game. Z. No. It's just call it Twitter. Make it a thing. Make it fetch. Make it yeah. Nobody says fetch. I was going to make it happen. I was going to. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Is that what it is? Stop trying to make fetch happen. Is oh, the, okay. Is the quote. Mean Girls? Yes. Okay. Fantastic movie, by the way, if anybody hasn't seen it. Have you seen it? Uh, I've, I have not. I'll say this. I have not watched it from beginning to end, but I've seen enough in like different sittings that I've seen the movie. I don't know if you have. You need to watch it from beginning to end. It's very good. I mean, what year did it come out? 04. 04? Yeah. I mean, what? Is that a guess? Or is that a knowledge thing? Or are you just a mean girls expert that we just didn't know about? I'm I'm pretty confident in my 04. All right, now we got to look this up. That's a confident thing to have, like, with no knowledge behind it. I mean, that's quite a... Like, he, he ripped it. DeMond, like, immediately shot that out. He seemed to know it. Yeah. I just I just threw it out. Let's see. I mean, Google's taking a while in here. It can't be as smoothly run as Z. He's, he's right. Wow, 2004, huh? He's right. Good for you, DeMond. Good for that you. Was impressive. It impressive. was immediately. You just Why fired do you know that so out. Much about mean girls. Uh, I like live on IMDb. Just, if I just want to know something about a movie, what okay. are they going to change that site to? I mean, nothing. IMDb works. Twitter wasn't really working. You got to refresh it. You got to get a you know a rebranding going. I'm stunned. She had that Rachel McAdams. She had you know uh, what's the end? The Notebook in the same year. That was in the same year. So in the same year, she played a mean high school girl and also like a love interest in a, a very adult movie. Interesting. Range. Yeah, it's very true. Well, thirteen year. I mean, look, thirteen year old John. I mean, at that point, who wasn't gonna be into like Lindsay Lohan and all of that stuff? So you were a big fan I've of seen the uh, the Christmas recital. Oh, who wasn't? <laughs> Come on now. It was good. Right, of course. I Dem- mean, you are, were. Dem- Dem- are you pretending not to have been? I mean, well, so how old were you at the 2004, though? How old were you? Eight years old. Yeah, I mean, uh, might have been a little over his head. But me being 13, right there in my wheelhouse. <laughs> All in? Yep. I grew up that day. <laughs> I became, turn, I became, became the, the man <laughs> Became the man I am today. It's good. It's um, stop making fetch happen. Stop trying to shade, uh, trade Shohei Otani. How about that? It's got to happen. You saw the uh, photo, right? Well, no. I think I mean, I think it's a pretty sure sign the media in Anaheim believes Shohei Otani's getting traded. Okay, what is it? So, for those that I mean, it, it's obvious, but you might not care or pay attention. The Angels do have the largest media contingent following them of any team in Major League Baseball. Of course, obviously they have a massive Japanese uh, contingent, uh, American media all over them as well. So they have the largest traveling party of any 
uh, of any media contingent there is. And after the game yesterday, which was the end of a homestand and starts yep. a 10-game road trip. The last homestand before the trade deadline. They, everybody kept saying, last home game before the deadline. All of the media who covers Otani regularly got together on the field and took a photo knowing that'll be the last time they're all together. Be quiet. They did. Where's this photo? Uh, I'll, I'll find it for you. I'll try to look through Z or X or whatever, Z on the break. He's not getting traded. Try to find it. They, they believe he is. They took a photo all together. I think they did it just in case. Why do you need to do it just in case? Yeah. Right, because there's a chance. I'm happen. not saying it's a 0% chance, but first I don't all, think he's not getting traded. Why do you need to do it anyway? Well, that's I yes. I don't think we need to do that as media people. Got to really remember your time out here, huh? I, to me, that was a sign that at least the people that follow closest, that, that are around it the most. Yeah, see, look at this. Even said, like the, the LA Times writer, Angels media gather today at Angel Stadium for a group picture to commemorate today in case today is the last home game at Angel Stadium with Shohei Otani's group. Yeah, but if they didn't think it was a strong possibility, they wouldn't have got Is the photo there. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Is Otani even in the picture? No, it was just the media. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. <laughs> That's re- so. It's not. It's a. It's a picture of somebody taking a picture. That's yeah. really weird. It's not Otani taking the photo. Not yeah. Otani's not even in it. I he's never thought he was in the picture. No, he's not. That's really weird. It's just the media. Media because they're going to see him again. They're they're just saying yeah. bye to their LA buddies. They're, they're just going to move to Seattle or wherever. You guys are so weird. Ooh, media. Yeah, you're in the media. Yeah, I know, but I'm not doing stuff like this, making it about me. You think I am? What did you guys do for Derek Carr when it was like this is his last game? <laughs> No comments. Von Tobel, Elos, Vatos, Adam Hills alongside, JVT filling in. We're all here. We're all here for Steve Cofield. Damon alongside as well. It was quite an interesting week last week. We got to hang out at Mount West Media Days. Got to chop it up with a lot of people, rub elbows with folks. You know what I mean? <laughs> Working on that best friendship with Barry Odom. Is that what you're doing? Rubbing elbows? Yeah, I was walking up to people doing that. And it was a buzz, a buzz with conversation because one of the big things was the preseason poll in which UNLV got a first-place vote. Now, Adam, you got to the bottom of this, and in your I, column— I spent far too much of my week last week to figure it out, but we, I got there. We found the identity of the voter. That would be Matt Neverett. Of course, he's a play-by-play voice. You hear him on the Aviators games and UNLV Athletics, and he's with us now. Matt, I will open with this. How have the last couple of days been from you on, um, on what used to be Twitter and is now Z? So the X, Y, whatever, whatever letter we're calling it now, it's been, uh, it's been interesting. College football is an animal all of its own, and uh, looking forward to uh, finally getting started. It's been a long summer for sure. Have you gotten any extra attention? Has there been any feedback after Adam's column in which people found out that you had that first place? But we'll get to your reasoning, but the last couple of days, has it been, as some people call it, a whirlwind, or has it just been like, ah, yeah, some feedback here and there? Yeah, more, more the latter than the former for sure, um, which is uh, almost unexpected in the, uh, the cutthroat world of college football, social media, as you know. Um, but no, you know, mostly Boise State folks, a couple of Boise State folks uh, with some questioning gestures, but, um, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. I get enough hate mail as it is just for being myself, so it's nothing I'm not used to. I think the, the first thing a lot of people asked, at least to me, when they call, you know, contacted me about it is, did he take it seriously? Do you think this was a joke or was he taking it seriously? I think before we even start even talking about it, that's the first part. Like, how seriously do you take it when you vote in these polls? I mean, you have, you have to take it seriously. I mean, it's a, a limited number of uh, voters for each conference, and it's, it's an honor to be selected uh, with some of the work that I do for UNLV and for the, the conference as well. And, I mean, look, you know, I, not without getting too much into the reasoning, I know we'll, we'll talk about it. I, it's a group that I think is really primed for a, a huge leap forward. 
And I think that they're one of the teams that benefits the most from the conference going away from the division. Because like, like I said the other day, if you get a team that gets hot at the right time, especially after a really tough non-conference slate, if you can get a team that's hot, avoid some of the top teams in the conference, you win your last four games, you know, four your last five, something like that, you're looking at a team that could, that, that could back into a conference championship this year. So Adam has a column. People want to go watch, you know, read it, LVRJ. But for anybody listening right now, we'll just ask the question, why? Why vote UNLV first? First and foremost, I think it's a, a lot of it goes down to the coaching staff. I've really liked a lot of the things that uh, Coach Odom and his new staff have brought in, some of, the, uh, some of the, the initiatives and some of the things that they've really been pushing. And I know a lot of it is coach speak at this time of the year. But I, I really like some of the specifics that he's done, uh, not only this year, but moving forward. And I know the poll doesn't really re- reflect you know, future or you know, predicting future success, but I do think that that's been the main thing that he has done differently than the old coaching staff. It's caused a pretty immediate transformation. Uh, otherwise, you've got an, uh, enough key returners, including Doug Brumfield and Ricky White, who are going to be one of the best uh, quarterback-wide receiver tandems in, in, on the West Coast. Uh, and then the, uh, the defensive backfield, with everybody coming back and some of the new infusion of, of talent, I really think that with the mix of you know, four returning basically starters at the cornerback and safety position and some of the new guys that they brought in, I think that can be a real strength on, on the defense of a defensive-minded team. Uh, and then not, not to mention the, the almost 50 new transfers that they brought in, a lot of whom are vying for playing time. You, you put all that together with the team that really started off hot last year. They, they defied a lot of expectations at the beginning of the year to start 4-1. and one. And I think that with the way that their non-conference slate plays out this year, as far as opening with Bryant, which should be a big-time win, you've got back-to-back games, then following against Power 5 opponents, including the first-ever SEC opponent to ever come to, to play UNLV in Las Vegas. I think with that foundation heading into a Mountain West schedule where you don't play Boise State, you don't play San Diego State, you host San Jose State, who's supposed to be one of the, the, the top up-and-coming teams in the conference in the last game of the year. I think you put a lot of those things together, and you've got a team that really has a, a dark horse shot to surprise a lot of people, and like I said, get hot at the right time uh, towards the end of the schedule and, and surprise a lot of people with a conference win. What is it that you like? We're talking to, to Matt Neverett uh, on the show, friend of the show, and uh, uh Took you know some some grief a little bit late last week for voting UNLV number one on Twitter, but I think or excuse me in the Mountain West poll, and uh, it was interesting to see. But definitely some reasons here that we're getting into. Um, you mentioned Barry Odom and his staff. What do you like about them and what they've done so far? Well, right off the bat, you know even even before they get here, they're the the most experienced uh, coaching staff in the conference in terms of Power Five coaching experience at the highest level. So I really like what they can bring, not only from a, a schematic and game planning. You know, scenarios, but I, I really like the the recruiting trails that they've laid down. You know, they, they're not just looking on the West Coast; they're not just looking in Southern California. You know, they've got these these roots in in the South, and you know, big time college football recruiting territory. And I, I like the, the foundation that they've laid with that. On top of some of the schematic things, including the go go offense, that I'm really really excited to see Doug Brumfield at the at the helm of because there's going to be so much space. Um, mix that with with Barry Odom's experience at the big time levels of college football, and uh, I really think that this coaching staff has the possibility to be one of the best, if not the best, in the conference this year right off the bat. All right, I'm going to ask a question for both of you. Adam, I'll start with you. What is a preseason poll? What are you voting for? Voting for how you project it's going to happen at the end of the year, how the standings. So a preseason poll is what you think is going to ultimately happen, not where you rank these teams now? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I mean, look, I think everybody has their own their own view of it and their own reasons. But that that's to me, if you're voting in a poll, you're 
projecting what it's going to look like at the end of the year. So, Matt, that's I would ask the same question because I think a lot of people would look at that and go, if you look at it, like all of your reasonings would make sense, right? They, they have indications that they could be a buy-on team, a team that could surprise some people be very good. And if you're voting your Mountain West poll in that regard, it could make sense. I also think a lot of people look at a preseason poll and view them as, this is how we view these teams now, and it wouldn't be realistic to put UNLV ahead of a Boise State, a Fresno State, or a San Diego State. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think a lot of it just comes down to personal philosophy. I tend to kind of go with uh, more of where Adam said, kind of where you can project the team at the end of the year, because that's you know really the, the, the point of why you play. You don't, you don't, you don't play the games to... You know, try to match where you were at the beginning of the season. You're playing to win and win as much as you can, especially in conference play. So I'm I'm with Adam there, and I know it's a it's a calculated gamble to to have UNLV number one. But like you said, it's kind of a team that you can buy low, buy a little bit later. Uh, but you know, putting myself out on a limb here, but I I really think that uh, with a lot of the changes that have been made, a lot of the, the stuff that I've that I've brought up as far as the returners, this is a team that, like I said, I think is going to be really strong, especially as the year goes along. Matt, first off, Damon Cotton here. I just want to say thank you for saying something so controversial and yet so brave. I mean, I want to shake your hand. But when it comes to <laughs> – Adam just gave me a look. But when it comes to UNLV and their rankings, I obviously do think that the defense is going to be much improved with Barry Odom. But if you were to rank Dub Brumfield when it comes to the quarterbacks, where do you think he ranks in the Mountain West quarterbacks? I mean, in my opinion, I would say probably top top three or four. And, again, that's probably a little bit higher than – than most people, but what we've seen from Doug when he's healthy are, are flashes of, of excitement every time he touches the ball um, with his with his wheels, with his experience, and you know with his with his off season this past year, you know staying committing, really leading this group of players that uh, stayed through the coaching change. Couple that all on top of the fact that he was at the Manning Passing Academy, a lot of the leadership roles that he's taken on in the community. I, I really think we're going to see a well developed, well rounded quarterback. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, and obviously that was a big question for him last year, but there is not that quarterback controversy, so to speak, that they had last year. Brumfield's the guy. He's been the guy this whole offseason, and so I, I really think that that is going to be a, a lot of where it starts and ends on the offense because there are a couple of question marks in the running back room, but it's a, a well-rounded group of guys, mostly new that they've brought in, so it's going to maybe take a couple of games in the non-conference late for the running game to kind of establish itself as these guys sort out their roles. By the way, I want to note really quick, Adam, before you go, Matt, I want to let you know, I think what you're doing here should be noted is probably pretty tough, right? Like to come on and get grilled about like, a, a somewhat controversial decision. So uh, kudos to you, I would say, for coming on and actually going on, with, of course, talking with Adam and being commented or me being quoted about it. So I want to get that out of the way and say thank you for doing this because I do think that people should realize that, you know, like you said, you took a little bit of a gamble, uh, a little bit of a dark horse pick, and a lot of people were uh, talking about it. So kudos for you for coming on. And I, and I wanted to ask this then. Voting about voting UNLV first, dark horse selection, understand all of that. I guess I'll ask the general question. What is wrong with the perceived top of the conference in your mind then? Boise State, Fresno State, what are some of the flaws you see in those teams that had you putting UNLV ahead of them? Well, a lot of it is just the fact that there is so much parity. I mean, Boise State got the most first place votes. They may be the most well rounded team, but they've got a, a, a newer coaching staff. They're a defensive led team, so, you know, there's certain times where the offense. You know, maybe it may not be up to the snuff as the defense, especially as the season progresses and teams get more film. Um, and with you, with UNLV, like I said, it's just kind of a, a, a gut feeling with a lot of the new transfers, a lot of the new players uh, that, that some of these other teams may be at the top of the conference, uh, maybe getting complacent in the sense of like a San Diego State. You know, there's all the rumors to the to the Pac-12. There are those extra distractions and 
you know, now now they're the only team in on the West Coast that, that or, or I should say, in Southern California that plays in a West Coast conference with the uh, the Big Ten scooping up both USC and UCLA. So I, I think for a team like that, there's a lot of distractions. For a team like Fresno State, what do you do? How do you replace Jake Hayner? I know that uh, they they had to fill in for him a couple of games last year, but at the end of the day, he was that offense for the Bulldogs. So you know, in the case of those three teams specifically, there's you know, maybe a couple of minor flaws that could be taken advantage of more towards the end of the year. Uh, when the conference wins really mean more, especially once you get into November, December. Gonna get you out of here, but uh, where where can people find out what you're doing now? Where can they find your work, and uh, how are you getting prepared for the season? I'm easy to find. I'm at Matt Neverett on everything. Uh, working at the end of the Aviator season here, I do their uh, their play by play along with Russ Langer. So kind of some crossover dates there. I'll be doing uh, four games for UNLV on the Silver State. Sports and Entertainment Network, including the first game of the year, uh, coming right up on August 31st against Bryant. So I'll be doing a, a quartet of games just throughout the season, including the first and last games. I'll be doing the game against Hawaii and the game against uh, New Mexico, I believe, as well. And then I'll be doing some uh, some UNLV basketball as well. And then I just signed on for another year of baseball. So, you know, ready to go for another season. And uh, really excited to see how this coaching staff leads this uh, new crop of transfers along with, you know, like Brumfield and White and some of the guys in the defensive backfield. Uh, that, how, how this team really can gel, especially coming out of a really tough non-conference slate. Matt Neverett. Matt, good to talk to you, man. Appreciate you coming on and explaining everything. Good job, dude. Anytime. I would only do it for you guys. You got Thanks, it. Man. Play by play again, aviators and athletics. All right, so, because in reality, I do think that's part of the disconnect, right? Because I actually do, like, if I were to have been given a vote, Adam, it would be, I would not have approached it as voting for how I think it would finish. It would be how I view the teams now. And I, and I get that people would look at that and go, why is that? Is that different? Like, I think it is. Oh, definitely. Right. Different. You know what I mean? Because part of, view part of what, you know, Matt said, and we, we got into most of his reasons, not necessarily all of them, but um, the, the fact that the schedule plays out the way it does. UNLV doesn't play the quote unquote two best teams in the conference. Right. They're not on the schedule. So, like, that does change if you say, hey, I think those maybe Boise's a better team than UNLV, but they play a much more difficult schedule. Who's going to finish ahead? Like, possibly you have Like, look, I wouldn't have made the vote. I, I would have had UNLV higher than ninth for sure. Right. Um, I wouldn't have picked them first, but you get to, you understand when you hear some of the reasons of, hey, look, the schedule plays out favorably for them. They don't have to play the two best teams. It actually plays out even more favorably because they have two really tough road games, and then the rest of their road games are against the worst teams in the conference, mm-hmm. and then the middle of the pack games are all at home. Like, the schedule could not have been printed any better. For UNLV to try to make a run to the top of the division. 